Welcome back to Recalibratency. Today, I'm pleased to be joined by Rachel Siegel. She is the Managing Director at BrightWeb, and we're going to be talking today about her lessons learned in managing teams and especially about how to humanize the digitized workforce. So Rachel, welcome. Will you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Danielle. Uh, so I have been in this industry for about 17 years now. I've worked in bigger agencies. I've had the privilege of freelancing and getting insight and visibility into a number of agencies without being fully dedicated. And then I've been with BrightWeb since 2020, first in a director of strategy role and then moving into the managing director role at the beginning of 2021. So yeah, really, really happy to to be able to share some, some thoughts here. It's been quite the journey, kind of seeing different sides of how agencies can operate, what works, what doesn't work, and certainly making sure one of my biggest, you know, guiding lights when it comes to the way that we approach BrightWeb is just making sure that it's people before pixels. It's it's the work is is important, but the people who are doing the work are really core to, to how we can be successful and sustainable in the work that we do. Because you're managing teams and dealing with individual contributors and their workload and their personal differences and all of those nuances, Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the best ways to foster, you know, team bonding and improve company culture all the while still getting all of the work done? It's a great question. The biggest thing that I think I've tried to stay true to is is vulnerability. The only way I can take some of the pressure to be perfect and some of the pressure to juggle all the plates in the air until something falls is is to be vulnerable about my own capacity and where I'm at. And if I'm having a rough week or or if things are, you know, not great and I I need that time to be able to voice that and also, you know, provide space and and allow people to say I need help. And it happens every once in a while where I've got someone who's been just trucking along and they've been doing what they've been doing and it's been working well enough and then it starts to accumulate and they hit a roadblock. And, you know, I try to make sure that the team knows that I'm here for that. Like, let's spend 30 minutes just figuring out what's the biggest priority, what could be delegated and how we can make sure that that, you know, isn't something that they are handling on their own. Because especially in a remote environment, it's harder to see people for how they actually are. You're not able to look around a room and see someone at their desk just looking stressed, you have to take it face value the way that they're presenting on a Zoom call, the way that their Slack messages are coming across, whether or not you're seeing emojis in the mix. And there's all these little cues and signals that are easy to infer how things actually are or miss that there is something that, you know, needs to be resolved and potentially some, you know, bigger conversations that need to be had to make sure that people's well-being isn't put up on a shelf to the detriment of, of yeah, them as a person. Yeah, let's dive into that a little bit more if we can. Mm -hmm. What are some more of those cues that you pick up on in this digitized work environment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I definitely have not everybody's up for this, but I'm in like almost all the channels in our Slack and and that can be really overwhelming for some, but I find it really helpful to just kind of keep an eye and make sure that, you know, things are going well from a project perspective, sure, but people are, they sound okay in the way that they're communicating and, and sounding okay isn't necessarily, you know, tons of enthusiasm or going overboard responding to everything, but just starting to get a feel for how, how is this team operating? And we really encourage having those open conversations in Slack, that it's not it's not the place to call people out and otherwise just DM each other, that it's a collaboration zone. It's a place where people can pick up and help out. And that written record in, in Slack is so 
pivotal. So just keeping an eye there, keeping an eye across multiple streams. And I've got regular check-ins with all of my direct reports. We've got meetings with different you know, managers to make sure that their reports are doing well. And we have a team planning function to, to do that load balancing as well, agnostic of a reporting relationship. We've got our people and culture manager who's available. And so you get all these mechanisms to kind of add up and, and sort of see, hey, how's so-and-so doing? Ooh, I know this person's having a hard a hard time with this right now, or or this person's struggling because, you know, their their pet is sick. And then everybody kind of being on the lookout for each other and finding ways to to balance. So it it comes down to me a little bit, just kind of keeping an eye and actively sort of actively passively, I guess, sort of just keeping an eye on what's going on, but then also making sure that I have the trust with other people that if they see someone struggling, that I'm a safe space or people and culture managers a safe space to be like, maybe we should check in and see how they're doing. And that that person isn't going to be penalized or opportunities taken away from them for being human. Within the team as well, a lot of times if you only have a manager checking in, you know, there's not as much impact as if everyone on the team is kind of circling around you, giving you a good penguin huddle and cheering you on. Does your team have any mechanisms to identify top level contributions by individuals and celebrate those moments? Absolutely. Yeah, we have channels and every time a project launches or if someone does something, you know, really exceptional that, you know, we saw from an internal side or or it wowed a client, we try to make sure that it's both systematically and then opportunistically like celebrate, you know, call someone out and give them the kudos and make sure just shout them out. It's it's really positive and, and people love that kind of energy. So yeah, we, we had that happen just last week. Uh, there was a great shout out of like, wow, that client, the things they said were so amazing. If I'm attending a call, I'll also try to make sure in the project channel I'm there is like, wow, that like quoting something a client said and saying, that's amazing to hear. Like you never hear that. That's awesome. And so the the instance last week, we've actually then, since we've got our all hands next week, we've asked, you know, can we present some of that and make sure that the team gets to see the work, not just the kudos, but also the work that went into it. So we do try to make sure that there's there's sharing, there's the kudos and kind of making sure that people have that visibility across the organization. We're working right now on some shifts in the way that our teams are structured, which are right now very discipline specific, which can sometimes add to a little bit of that limiting view of, of what everyone's world is like and, and shifting to more of a pod model so that there will be a little bit more cross-functional visibility to how things are going on projects outside of a given project and looking more at the portfolio within the pod itself for load balancing and yeah, better teamwork and camaraderie oh definitely i mean just in general the amount of respect that can be developed in those peer-to-peer relationships even though they're Mm cross-functional is a game changer in the level of collaboration that can happen in the team bonding in the empathy that crosses those roles and those job descriptions it's it's huge yeah yeah, it's a it's a really big deal and it sneaks up on you when it's not there. It seems okay until it's really not and it probably has been building for a while. And so that's the other part is just, you know, really really reflecting on what you're not seeing as well and and trying to make sure that without overcompensating you are, you know, just ensuring that there's no one single department that is overtaking, you know, the rest of the departments and and potentially, you know, just not creating balance across the entirety of the organization. That's such a good point to hit on because you have to tactfully, as a manager, as a leader, you have to tactfully identify and approach those difficult conversations. So what words of wisdom do you have for addressing when 
you see someone who's not really engaging with the rest of the team, or when you see departments that seem to have withdrawn and started to do their own thing, where do you where do you start? It's a tough one. It it really is, and and you really need. It, it's not something that one individual person can take on. So I would say the first step is just having. You need to have different people to talk to about different things, and you know. So if I'm soft sounding a potential reporting shift for growth, because you know now that we're at this size, it might make sense for that person who's kind of in this you know bridging role to report to this person and have more input over here versus over there. I'll usually start with our people and culture manager to kind of like talk that out. When we first started talking about pods and thinking about breaking up into these rooms, a big part of the conversation was, you know, what will this do for the people that maybe have felt siloed in their projects? And what do we do about the people that may not necessarily fit within a team? And, you know, in that case, a lot of it came down to having proactive conversations, making no assumptions and working with those individuals individually to figure out the right ways to navigate and make sure that they feel really like a part of the bigger team, even if with intentionality, we haven't said you're on this specific pod team. And in doing so, that unlocked, you know, some great language choices, some great, you know, messaging that we can use to make sure that not only is that person feeling like they're a part of the plan and that there's one person in particular that that they got to build the plan with us. So I think when when there's struggles, part of it is is seeing how and if you can engage the person that might be drifting or the person that might be faltering in some way that might be about the work. And it might also be about things that have nothing to do with the work that they can be a part of designing what that looks like, you know, to to get back on track and to make sure that, you know, they feel like their place is is really solid and and understood within the organization. So Lizzie, you kind of alluded to this concept that when you're in a solely virtual work environment, over communication is the only form of communication that's possible. Yeah. And making no assumptions, proactively addressing anything that could possibly become a source of division or miscommunication or any sort of rift between peers, between management and individual contributors, between the leadership team in general. Do you have anything else to add along that line of thought? Yeah, we we have to take into account time zones. We have to take into account the coordination at the size we are now of. I was in one of our Slack channels and noticed that for ad hoc administrative, can you check this spreadsheet? Can you add your input on this? Can you do this? Four of them had accumulated in a given week. And it was a good flag of, we actually need to coordinate this now. We need to make sure that all the different people that might be asking for these things ad hoc actually have a bit of a plan in place so that it's not four things all at once. And now we've got someone who's already maxed out for the week thinking about four new things that they need to to take care of by the end of the week. So some of that's our own pre-planning to give enough lead time, figuring out the mechanisms that those tasks can be tracked. So it's not just a off the side of your desk Slack message that someone's easy to miss. So the time zone thing comes into play all the time because we do have people on the East Coast, West Coast, and a few people internationally. And that can have big implications. It can mean that, you know, if we're, if we're putting out resourcing availability for a specific department, that the people, if it goes out, you know, at three o'clock, four o'clock on Pacific time, that then that's no opportunity for our East Coast, you know, team members to get to weigh in on that, which isn't fair either. So there's so many things that we have to take into account. We have communications guidelines that is an ongoing living, breathing document to try to help guide that conversation and and help people with that intentionality and over communication direction, because I think you said it perfectly. It, it really is the only way to do it here because you 
have so much opportunity for people to be focused in other areas and miss something. And so making sure it's really visible, really apparent, you're probably going to have to repeat yourself a few times. And it's not that people aren't listening. It's that they're fragmented. This is the way that we work asynchronously. And that has an impact on who and how and when and how actively people can actually absorb a message. Fragmented, I think, is the perfect word to describe the situation that agencies are dealing with because there's this also this push that people shouldn't have to be working all the time, that they should have work-life balance. But in this fragmented, asynchronous communication environment, if you're not up to date on everything at all times, you might feel like you're going to miss out on something that will help you do your job better or relieve pressures at work because there are resources that came available. Do you have any experience with those situations and navigating that? It's, it's definitely something that comes up from time to time. I mean, I I think that we're sometimes we have the mix of both the timely sort of things that come up that are big bugs on sites that need to be resolved immediately, or there's, you know, the longer term kind of it moves at a very much more manageable pace for some of the larger web builds that we're working on. So some of it does become much more manageable, but I think that's part of the hope with the pod design is that it takes some of that individual burden, especially on our delivery team, our project managers, to be able to to do that work and feel like there's support and visibility across a wider team and not have it just all rest through them as a conduit. But we certainly see if, you know, we've got a team member who's in Ukraine and he, if if we don't have a ticket that's actually really thorough and there's been, you know, time to make sure that we're all clear, if he then looks at it and there's questions, we could lose, you know, a day at a time going back and forth because the time zones aren't working in our favor. The team needs to think about that and, and we need to plan for that and make sure that all the requirements are clear, probably try to schedule a time that will very narrow window that can work across time zones to actually go over everything and and ensure that there isn't a presumption that because it was passed over to the developer, it'll be done in the time frame that there is going to be that back and forth that needs to go into it. Now, an- another thing that we talked about previously that I want to talk about again is whether or not you think agency office life can be replicated in virtual form. Mm-hmm. It can't. Um, <laughs> I think that we tried a couple things the first couple of years, different virtual party platforms and things like that to try to get out of just the the Brady Bunch boxes of being on on Zoom together. I think it's it's where we're at technology wise and where we're at in terms of the ways that we do our work. I think it's an impossible benchmark to to put in front of us. The benefits are so there though for for people to have flexibility in their life. It creates so many opportunities that didn't exist when I was working full-time in an agency where you had to be in that agency to to have work-life balance, to be, you know, a mom with young kids and to not feel like you're having to step into old shoes that don't fit anymore because your life can't conform. So I think there's a lot of benefits, but the downside is absolutely that immersion and just camaraderie. And and one of the big benefits when I was in agency in my 20s was, you know, you're working around like-minded people all in the same age, you know, doing some similar work and it's fun and exciting things. And there's this exhilaration in that work that is very challenging to replicate. And so I think we, we probably have work to do to kind of think about those timely moments of how can we, like, should we have a Zoom, you know, conversation? Should the client be involved when we're going live with a website. It's hard because it's propagating, it takes time. And so it's hard to kind of narrow down that time frame. But it is one of the hardest things that I think we still haven't quite figured out is how do you create those moments of joy that aren't just 
let's have some office days and make sure that people come into the office, which are, are great. We do that, try to do that every month between our two offices. Not everyone can attend because not everyone's in, you know, dis- distance of those offices to do so. And that definitely creates great energy, but it's social days then. Those aren't days that are also like you're socializing and you're productive. It's it's basically a write-off from, from a work standpoint, which has value because people are you know, typically extra productive at home, but it is different than, than definitely my experience being in person. Yeah, absolutely. I've been wondering for probably six months now at this point, when agencies are going to start slowly shifting back towards an in-office environment, because I, I really see the value in virtual. I really, truly do. But there's so much value that's missed when you're not at an office, too. And part of me wonders if once everyone's kind of switched to virtual and gotten that figured out, everyone's going to want to switch back to in office. Mm -hmm. Do you think anything like that could happen? I think we'll always have options. And for us, I think we're remote you know, till, till the end. I think, I think remote is, as a part of our DNA um, at BrightWeb, but I think having locations where we can be in office creates better opportunities for people who are learning and people who are at that coordinator coming up, you know, growing into a manager level. I think that's probably the area where I see the biggest challenge if we weren't to have any offices and we were to be all remote. I think it would be really difficult to come into this and not have some time in person, some time to really get to meet with your boss, to get to, you know, have a conversation with with the group in a collaborative in-person environment. I like that we're able to offer the mix for our coordinators, that they're able to have that flexibility from the start of their career and really learn for themselves what that looks like. But I would struggle with, you know, a coordinator coming onto our team, being, you know, in Lisbon and trying to fit, you know, time zones and and all sorts of other things into the mix without having that foundational experience and really strong understanding of how we operate to sort of lean on in the absence of if the fragmentation was going to be exacerbated in that kind of way. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on, for sharing about just lessons you've learned, things that you've implemented to help manage teams, especially in a digital work environment. I really appreciate you coming on today. A few takeaways from today. First off, it's impossible to completely replicate an in-office agency environment with a virtual office environment. And when you are accounting for those differences, be strategic in how you're approaching it and identify what's going to be the most impactful to actually make sure that work and socializing can both happen, even if they're happening in different ways. At an agency in office, those can mix a little bit better As opposed to when you're fully virtual, you usually have to dedicate space to each of those activities individually. As it comes to keeping a handle on how various team members are doing individually, it's really important that you take the time, make the space in your days so that you can observe what's going on. How are they responding to peers? What is their communication looking like? What does their workload look like? Is there anything interesting going on with where they're spending their time? And have you noticed any changes in their behavior? And then once you notice those things, be sure to question any assumptions and make sure that you're proactively asking what's going on. Have those conversations and just make sure everyone's on the same page. And then, of course, when it comes to team-wide collaboration and announcements, make sure that you are over-communicating. Over-communicating really is the only way to communicate 
when you're dealing with virtual teams and virtual in-office hybrid teams so that everyone's on the same page, everyone feels like they know what's going on, and you can mitigate some of the agency chaos that can happen so quickly. And that's all for today on Recalibrate Agency. I'm your host, Danielle Photo, and until next time, cheers. <laughs> <laughs>